This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Hey, everybody. Merry Christmas. Hey, thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, my name's Kevin, and uh, I love, I love Christmas. Man, I do. I know Ron said last week his favorite holiday is Thanksgiving. Uh, if I could move Thanksgiving to August and just have Christmas from end of uh, October on, I would do that. Man, I just love it. There's not a whole lot going on in August. I apologize if your birthday is in August. Uh, but for the rest of us, really, like Thanksgiving in August would be awesome, right? A summer, uh, summer turkey, uh, and then we could just start preparing for Christmas. Ah, love it. Love it. Um, preparing for this message, I got to be honest, uh, I had a bit of deja vu. For those of you who were around last year, uh, I preached right in the beginning of December, uh, and I told you that we had bought a tree the year before, or the week before, and um, it, sometime in that week, some of you remember, sometime in that week, uh, we went on an overnight trip, and I meant to turn the heater down to zero, but I turned it up to like 100 degrees, and we left. And uh, the fire department, when they uh, went into our place, said that it was like 130 degrees at the ceiling. Uh, and our Christmas tree had turned brown by the time we got back. And so we had a brown Christmas tree last year. Uh, and I say it's, it's uh, a bit of deja vu because uh, Maria, my wife, uh, decided that we need to get our Christmas tree in November this year. Uh, so last weekend, we got our Christmas tree, and, and it's awesome. Babe, I, I'm psyched about it. Uh, we got it last week, though, and so this whole week I've been thinking, oh, please keep the heater set right. Like, once is kind of funny, twice is just really embarrassing. Um, but, but we didn't. We still have a green tree. It's only been moved three different times, and it's finally rested in its, its uh, uh, resting place. You know what I'm talking about, uh, husbands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Uh, we can even see half the TV if we're at the right angle. So that's nice. Um, you're laughing like I'm joking. Um, but I, I do, I, I love, I love Christmas. Christmas is just like the best. It's just the best holiday for me because it's this time of, of uh, anticipating, right? This time of hoping, of, of waiting, of, of longing, uh, of looking, of remembering what uh, God did through Jesus and then what he is doing through Jesus today. Uh, and I just absolutely love it. Uh, I'm blown away also uh, by the fact that we get to be together, that we can gather and we can, we can talk about the things of God and we can explore the realities of, of faith and life and how they intersect, how they come together. Uh, I've been praying for a couple of women for a while now who live in Iran, uh, and they were thrown in jail for their faith. Uh, and they were kept in jail without uh, trial uh, for many months, and they were recently released, and I was excited, and then a friend reminded me that now that they're out of jail, uh, the chance of them being killed for their faith is actually greater uh, than it was when they were in jail. And so, uh, man, that, that breaks my heart, and it reminds me uh, of the gift that we have to be here, to be together, to explore. Whether you come to church every week, and this is a normal thing that you look forward to, or, or whether this is your first time, and, and it's a little intimidating, a little new, uh, to embrace uh, this ability to come and explore and to not worry about whatever your findings are, to not worry about what would happen. It's just such a gift. So I invite you, embrace that. Uh, Explore faith. Explore God. Ask God uh, who he is and what he's doing. And and then listen, because I think God wants to to speak uh, to you today. I think God wants to speak 
to me today. We're starting a new series called Christmas Preview. Uh, did someone say woo? <laughs> That's exciting. Woo! Yeah, Christmas Preview. Yeah, uh, good. You're fired up. You're with me. Um, it's, it, we're going to talk about the book of Isaiah. Uh, chapter 9, verse 6. And Isaiah is this really long book, and it's pretty intense, and it's, it's really powerful. So uh, if you don't, if you're a note taker, if you like to follow along on your notes and, and write little things in your margins or in the blanks, there are notes in your uh, program. You can take that home, and you can uh, look over it. I would encourage you uh, throughout the week, write some stuff down, and then remind yourself what God was telling you today. So grab your notes and pull them out. There's a pen in front of you, or if you're on the front row, there's a pencil on your chair. Hopefully you pick that up before you sat down, because um, that would hurt. Uh, so Isaiah, uh, he's a prophet. He spoke for God to the people. So God would speak to him. He would hear it. He would speak to the people. Uh, he started his time of, of speaking and teaching in a time of relative peace and harmony in the community, but he spoke right through a time of national and international turmoil. Uh, speaking to the lives of the people, what God wanted to say to them in that moment. Uh, But Isaiah also spoke about the future, uh, what God wanted to do for his people as time went on. See, this book was written some 700 years before the birth of Jesus, before uh, God sent Jesus down to be with us. Uh, And and so Isaiah's writing, and he's telling people what this birth is going to mean, what it's going to mean for them, what it's going to say about God what God wants to do through uh, the birth and the life of what uh, the Bible calls the Messiah, or the, the anointed one, the one that's called by God for the people, to the people. And so Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 talks a lot about uh, what this person is going to be and what his life is going to mean for us. So for the next four weeks, we're going to explore four different names that Isaiah gives to this one who's coming. Uh, and Uh, we're going to look at the fact that some 2,700 years after this was written, some 2,000 years after the birth of Jesus, uh, that uh, these names, this character of God, actually still speaks to us uh, today. So it starts off like this. Uh, Isaiah writes, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He He will rule over all things, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. These four names are actually one long title that speak to kind of the character of God or the nature of God, the essence of of who God is. You see, it was common in the ancient world in the time that this prophet wrote to use big long titles to explain who the rulers were, who the leaders were. So uh, it'd be common for like when a new king or a new emperor to come in, there'd be like a whole paragraph of their title talking about the things that they had done, the things that they were going to do, uh, the things that, that uh, were, um, they were being called for. It would be their big, long title. So these are four names, but it's one title. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And so uh, the prophet's no different. Uh, he's giving us these names to remind us uh, who God is and what he's going to do through Jesus, what he's going to do through the, uh, the Messiah, the Anointed One, uh, how we can more completely understand who God is through these four titles. And he says he's going to be called these things. And it's interesting, that word called, uh, it means like to cry out, to, just like to have this longing inside of you that just like, it, it's deep and it, it burns within you and you have to cry out. Uh, that word called, he'll be called all these things, means to like to summon to call upon. It means to roar, to proclaim. Uh, 
And so when the prophet says he'll be called these things, he's saying we need to call on God to be these things. You see, this was a normal, uh, a normal thing that God did in the Bible. When he gave someone a task, he called them something. He gave them a name. He gave them a title. Over and over again throughout the Bible, we see God calling people and then changing their name calling people and then giving them a title. This was kind of God's way of saying, I'm setting you up for a certain thing, for a certain task. Uh, one of the best places that, that, I, that I see it is in Genesis 17, when God takes this guy named Abram, who's kind of this nobody, and he says, Abram, I'm going to make you a, a great nation. I'm going to make you the father of my people, of the Jewish people, uh, and I'm going to change your name to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. So like every time uh, people would say the name Abraham, they would remember that he's the father of a multitude. Every time they said his name, they remembered what God had done through him. So in scripture, whenever you see that name, Abraham, you think, okay, he's the father of the multitude. He's the father of a great nation. He's like this guy that God called out to do this spectacular thing. And that's the same thing that's happening here with Jesus. When you think about Christmas, is that what you do? Do you like cry out? to God. When you think about Christmas, do you just like, is something inside of you just like long, like I need to experience you, God? Does something in you just like summon up, God, I need you to be who you say you are. I need you to be these things for me. I need you to be my, my wonderful counselor, my, my mighty God, my everlasting father, my prince of peace. When you think about Christmas, is that the response that you have where you're just drawn out, you're crying out to God because that's what he wants for us at Christmas. Uh, gifts are great. We, we pass out gifts to celebrate the gift that we've been given, but, but really uh, it's about crying out to God, experiencing God in a new way, in a real way, in, in a passionate way. Is that uh, what, what Christmas is for you? Because if it's not, I think that's what he wants it to be for you, a time of crying out. And then when God meets you, a time of proclaiming it, of celebrating it, saying God said he would come. He said he'd be my counselor, and he is. He's guiding me. He's leading me. So we celebrate. We have family over, and we party, and we eat a lot, and we, we give gifts because we're celebrating what God has done. So let's, uh, let's jump in with Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor is this great, uh, this great term, this great phrase that, that the prophet gives to the Messiah, to Jesus. And uh, that word, uh, wonderful, uh, it, it's something that we really need to look at. It's, it's an idea of, of being kind of beyond compare, being supernatural. So we're not talking about like any counselor. We're not talking about a smart guy with some good ideas or, or, or someone who's just really nice and kind. We're talking about someone who is supernatural, who is without compare, who, who can't be stopped, who, who is moving powerfully in our lives. Uh, there are three things that I think that make Jesus... Uh, a wonderful counselor. Well, actually, uh, everything about Jesus makes him a wonderful counselor. Let's like, let's call it out, right? Everything about him makes him supernatural and beyond compare. But I'm just going to highlight three because we don't have 10 hours. Uh, well, I do. So if you want to stay, you know, we could, we could go for it. We'll just welcome in the second service and we're just going to keep on. No, no, that wouldn't work. Uh, my baby has nap time. Uh, that'd be my child, not my, well, never mind. Uh, my child has nap time. So three things I want to talk about with Jesus as our wonderful counselor. Uh, three things that make him beyond compare. Three things that, that, that 
give, that inspire us to trust him. And the first is that he, he cares about us, right? My guess is that if you went to a counselor, you would be looking for someone who actually cared, right? Not someone who was just looking for a paycheck, um, not someone who just, uh, you know, kind of forgot your name the minute you left, right? You want someone who actually cares about you, and the same is true with Jesus. This has to be the core of, uh, of what we're talking about for the next four weeks. If we don't uh, trust that Jesus actually cares about us, uh, we can't allow him to speak into our lives. We can't allow him to be our counselor. So uh, do you trust that he cares about you? Uh, I realize that different people communicate care differently. Um, uh, the way that I communicate care is that I like to give advice, right? I like to solve problems. I'm a problem solver by nature. Maybe it's because I'm a guy. Uh, maybe it's because I'm a pastor. Maybe they just play in together. Uh, but I, I do. I like to pro- solve problems. If you come to me and you say something is happening and, and it's tough and it's hard, I like to try to help you solve uh, the issue. Uh, Jesus was actually a problem solver too. So we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But there's more to caring than being a problem solver. Uh, I used to think that it was always good to be a problem solver. Uh, and then I got married. Um, and I realized that trying to solve problems all the time isn't really, doesn't communicate care fully to everyone. Uh, does anyone resonate with that? You can raise your hand for your husband if you want to. Um, okay. Yeah, it's not always the best way to communicate care. Uh, so Jesus cares by, by answering questions, solving problems. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But look at what he does in John chapter 11, verse 32. Uh, look at how he communicates care. It says, when Mary had reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell uh, at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So the backstory to this is uh, these two sisters, their brother has died, and Jesus knows their brother, and he loves their brother. He spent time with uh, this guy named Lazarus. Uh, and so he goes, and Lazarus has died, and Mary's just like, she's grieving, right? She's just like, oh, this is killing me. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her were also weeping. So this was a custom. The Jews would all gather together, and they would like weep, and they would wail, and they would mourn. Uh, He was deeply moved in his spirit, and he was troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Uh, And then it says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Now at the end of the story, Jesus actually brings this man back to life, uh, showing his power showing his might. But in the moment, Jesus wept. Look at his response. When when you think of God, is that the picture that you get? Is that your view of Jesus? Uh, A God who loves you so much that he literally just like cries over your pain. Like when you're laying in bed at night and just like, like depressed and sad or trying to figure out what to do that he's there with you. Is that the picture of Jesus that you get? Is that, is that your view of God? Uh, a God that would sit with you without even saying a word just to be with you. A God that's so uh, enamored by you that he just wants to spend time with you. Because if we're going to trust Jesus, we have to believe that he actually cares about us or we can't trust him. If you've been coming around uh, our community for any period of time, Uh, I hope and I expect that you've heard that Jesus loves you from up on stage. I expect that you have sung about Jesus' love for you uh, as we sing songs uh, of worship and and to praise God. Uh, I would hope and I would trust that you have experienced God's love for you as someone has given you a hug and asked, how are you doing, and and actually meant it, right? Like, didn't just pass by, but really looked you in the eye and said, how are you? What's going on? I hope that you've experienced Jesus' love. Um, But, but, 
does the doubt ever creep into your minds? Like, do you ever question whether or not he really loves you? I know we're not supposed to talk about that on Sunday morning, right? But, but does it? Does it ever, like, creep in? Um, uh, if you've been around here for any period of time, you also know that I have a little baby girl named Maddie. She's 13. She's 14 months this week. Um, and I love her, man. I love her so much. She just, like, she makes me light up. And I'm not the best dad. That's, that's clear. Uh, I told the story last week. I was trying to discipline her, and, and I gave her a, a slap on the hand. Um, and she actually, she laughed and slapped me back. Um, I'm not the best dad. Uh, I'm learning how to be a parent, uh, but I do. I love, I love my daughter. And uh, she woke up Thanksgiving morning, and she was covered head to toe in hives, like these big, huge hives on her thighs and on her feet and her arms and her face and even on her little tushy. She had these big hives, and it was so sad. Oh, uh, it, it just, I didn't know what to do, and so we called the doctor. And uh, my Thanksgiving used to be like watching football and eating food, and now it's going to Kaiser, you know, with my daughter. That's just the life that we live these days, so... Uh, we went to the doctor, and the doctor said, well, she's got hives. I said, yes, I know. I know she's got hives. Thank you. Uh, glad we're paying you the big bucks for that. Uh, no, I didn't say that, although um, she said, give her some Benadryl. Give it a few days. It may, it'll probably go away. But she kept getting these hives, and they kept getting worse. And so I, like, I got really nervous, you know? Like, what do you do? What if it, like, gets really bad, and, like, it, this, whatever reaction she's having, like, like stops her from breathing or something. I just got really scared. Uh, I was sitting uh, in her rocking chair up in her bedroom, rocking her to sleep on Saturday night of last week, and I found myself um, like praying, God, would you please heal her? God, would you please take care of her? God, uh, would you please love my daughter? God, would you just, would you do something? God, you know, would, would, you, uh, would you be with her? And I found myself trying to convince God to love my daughter. And, and I didn't even realize it until I came into worship the next morning. Uh, and Justin and the worship band led us in that song, How He Loves, right? How He Loves Us, and oh, how He loves us, how much God loves us. If, if we could experience uh, His grace like, a, like an ocean, we'd be drowning in it. That's how much He loves us. The song starts playing, and somewhere it clicked, like, oh my gosh, I was doubting God's love for my daughter. Somewhere it just crept in, right? When things get tough, sometimes it creeps in, but the reality is God cares about you. God loves you. God loves your kids. God loves your friends. God loves your coworkers. He loves your spouse more than you ever will. Uh, as much as you love, as much as you're just like blown away by the love you have for someone, God's love is uh, incredibly more, immeasurably more. We cannot uh, comprehend God's love. And so we don't have to convince God to care about us. We don't have to convince God to care about our family. He already does. And that's the first thing that makes him a wonderful counselor, is that Jesus cares. We can also trust Jesus as our wonderful counselor uh, because he's wise. You ever think about that? Like, he's, he's smart. He's a smart God. Um, God's proven his wisdom over and over again throughout history. He, he always uh, seems to come out on top uh, with, with his decisions, his choices, his words. Um, throughout Jesus' life, some of the most intelligent and influential people of his day tried to challenge him. They tried to contradict him. They tried to make him look stupid. Uh, they tried to, to prove him wrong. And he always proved himself right. Always, without exception. Uh, more often than not, when he was talking to the religious leaders of his day and they would challenge him, he would leave them speechless. Uh, anyone who's talked to a pastor for any period of time knows that's a miracle, right? To leave a pastor speechless. Uh, 
because the, I'm glad the pastors laughed or else I'd be in trouble on Monday. Uh, but it's true, right? It, it's true. He left them speechless. Why? Because he was so wise, because his insight was so true and so deep and so real, and yet it was so tangible and you could just do it right then. Uh, and, and why is that? Well, uh, without going too deep into it, it's because he's God, right? Uh, Jesus is God. And being God, Jesus has all the wisdom of God at the tip of his tongue. He can just say things, and they are true, and they are right. And so we trust him because he's wise. I want to let you in on a little secret that I've been finding true in my life. Uh, if you take hold of the secret, I, and I don't say this lightly, um, but I think it really will transform your life, like every aspect of your life. So uh, it's going to be in your notes. You can write it down. I, I think uh, you will... Uh, you'll get a lot out of this. Here's the secret. Uh, when Jesus says to do something, uh, it's always the right thing to do. Without exception, without excuse, it is always the best way to experience a fullness of life. Do you ever think about that? Like when Jesus says to do something, it's always the right thing to do. Always. Not sometimes, not if it's convenient, but like always. Uh, Jesus doesn't make mistakes because he's God. He's our wonderful counselor. He's supernatural. He's without compare. So like uh, this plays out, like look at uh, Mark 12, 31, when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. What he means is like loving other people the way that you would love yourself will transform your life, will transform your community, will transform your family, will transform the world. Think if everyone really loved other people the way they love themselves, uh, there would be no more murder, no more rape. Uh, there would be no more um, poverty or, or war. I mean, the things that, that plague our earth would be over if we really loved people like we love our, ourselves. Or like when Jesus talks about money, and I know that that is a tense subject, right? We're going to talk about money next year, and hopefully we'll bring some levity to it, because money is actually a real gift. I mean, it is not a curse. It's a gift that God wants us to use. So we'll talk about that next year. But look what he says in Matthew 6, 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Jesus says you cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. When he says this, he means that like, we'll have a more free, a more exciting, a more uh, passionate life if we don't spend all of our time focusing on money or the, the lack of money or the acquisition of money or what we're going to do uh, with our money, how we're going to spend it, what we're going to buy, that kind of stuff. If we really do that, we can't fully love God. And so he says, love God and use money to bless God and to love others. Now, those are just a few quick examples, but when Jesus talks, uh, it's always true. Do you ever read your Bible? Hopefully the answer is yes, but that wasn't the end of the sentence. Uh, do you ever read your Bible and like stop partway through uh, and think, wow, this is God talking to me? I do sometimes. Because uh, if I'm not careful, I start to read Jesus' teachings. It's just like some smart, funny, interesting, like clever things that he says, right? Uh, I, I tend to like brush it off as something that's become cliche, but do you ever stop and just think, this is God talking to me? This is God teaching me how to live. This is God teaching me how to relate. Uh, we can trust Jesus as our wonderful counselor because he is wise beyond compare. No one can touch him, right? We can trust Jesus as our wonderful counselor because when he says something is right, it is 
always, period, without exception. I know that sometimes it's hard to do that because the world tells us that like the opposite of what Jesus says is true is actually the way to live life, right? Advertisers spend millions of dollars convincing us uh, that the things that sometimes that Jesus says are not actually the true way to live life. And so we've got all this stuff bombarding us, but when we read our Bibles, when we engage with God on Sunday mornings, when we engage with God in community, uh, we can trust that what he's saying is true and right and the best way to live life uh, and, and the way to live in fullness. So we can trust God as our wonderful counselor because he cares, like really, really cares. He doesn't just love you, but he actually likes you. Uh, his love uh, created you. He loved, he loved humanity so much that he made you and he knows you. The Bible says he counts every hair on your head. Uh, and sometimes I think that God is getting tired of counting my hairs, you know, so like uh, he's pulling them out. But I don't know. Um, but he does, like he loves you that much. The Bible says before you even say a word, God knows what you're going to say. That's how much he cares about you. And then we can trust Jesus as our wonderful counselor because he's like really, really wise. Uh, like the wisest person that ever lived. The ultimate in wisdom. Um, and then the third reason uh, is because he has the power to transform our lives, Right? If Jesus cared about us and was wise, that would be great. But really, if he doesn't have the power to transform our lives, who cares? Right? Uh, sometimes I worry that if we aren't careful, we begin to see uh, Jesus like the counselor in this video uh, that we're going to watch. And he gives us this really skewed picture of Jesus. So watch this video, and then we'll get back together. Uh, Dr. Switzer? Uh, yes, C come in. I'm just, just washing my hands. Uh, I'm Catherine Bigman. Janet Carlisle referred me. Oh, yes. Still being a very delighted about Yes. Yes, that's me. <laughs> Should I lay down? Oh, no, no, no. We don't, we don't do that anymore. Just, just have a seat. And, uh, and let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I, um, I charge $5 for the, for the first five minutes. And, and then absolutely nothing after that. How, how, how does that sound? <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can I can almost guarantee you that that our session won't last the full uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, <laughs> we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow. Okay. And uh, and I I don't make change. All right. <laughs> and go. <clears throat> go. Well, tell what? me, tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive, and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No. No, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm... Uh, 
I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, here, here they are. Stop it! I'm sorry? Stop it! Stop it? Yes, S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, you, you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds frightening. <laughs> it is. Then stop it. I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, childhood. No, no, no. We, we, we don't go there. Just, just stop it. So I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box. You got it. Good girl. Well, it's only been it's only been three minutes, so that will be um, uh, three dollars. Well, I only have a five, so. Well, I I don't I don't make change. Then I I guess I'll take the full five minutes. Fine. All right. Well, what other uh, problems would you would you like to address? Well, I have self-destructive relationships with men. Stop it! <laughs> you you want to be with a man, don't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, yes. Well, then stop it. <laughs> don't be such a big baby. I wash my hands a lot. That's all right. It is? I, I wash my hands all the time. There's a lot of germs out there. Uh-huh. Yeah, don't, don't, uh, don't worry about that one. I'm afraid to drive. Well, stop it! How are you going to get around? Get in the car and drive, you you kook! Stop it! Stop it! You'll stop it! What's what's the problem, Kathy? I don't like this. I don't like this therapy at all. You're just telling me to stop it. And and you and you don't you don't like that. No, I don't. So you think we're we're moving too fast, is that it? Yes. Yes, I do. All right, then let me uh, let me uh, give you 10 words that I I think will uh, clear everything up for you. Uh, you want you want to get a pad and a pencil for this one? All right. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right, here are the 10 words. Stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box. I was talking to a counselor friend of mine who said he loves that video uh, because like, how many counselors have wanted to say that at some point or another to someone? Um, yeah. Do, do, you, do you ever feel like Jesus is like a stop it counselor? Right? Like, 
uh, it's great that he cares. It's great that he's wise. But do you ever feel like, uh, he says, now that you're following me, right? Now just stop it. Just, just stop doing all the bad stuff. Start doing all the good stuff. Just stop it. Do, do you ever feel like that? Friends, Jesus is not a stop it counselor. That's just not in his character. He loves you too much. He, he knows too much about uh, you as a human and human kind of nature and condition to just say, stop it. Uh, him caring makes him a fantastic counselor. Him being wise makes him a fantastic counselor. But his ability to transform our lives is what makes him a wonderful counselor. That's what draws me to him. I'm guessing that's what draws you to him, that uh, Jesus actually has the power to transform our lives. To take what is and see what could be and then to walk with us on that journey uh, of, of becoming uh, everything that he wants us to be. Jesus is not a stop it counselor that says, okay, now just go and do everything I tell you you have to do. If we begin to see him like that, we begin to uh, limit God to a list of rules, of do's and don'ts. Uh, We become very kind of legalistic, and we draw these lines and say, we can do this, but we can't do that. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am with you. I'm guiding you. Look at John chapter 14, verse 15. He says, if you love me, you will obey my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Because he lives with you and will be uh, in you. Verse 26 says, uh, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will give you, uh, will send, the, who the Father will send in his name, will teach you all the things uh, and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. So Jesus has been with his disciples for the better part of three years at this point in the story. Uh, And in chapter 13, he tells them, hey, I'm going to be betrayed. It's not the first time they've heard this. They know what this means. Uh, He's going to be given over. Uh, He's going to be killed on a cross. We celebrated that in communion. Uh, But then God is going to raise him up, and he's going to go to be with God. So he's going to be leaving them. Uh, And they're freaking out at this point in the story, right? They've been walking with Jesus. He's been right alongside them. He's been leading them and guiding them. They think, this is a sweet deal. We can do this because Jesus is with us. You ever thought that? Like, if Jesus was just here next to me, it'd be a lot easier. It would make things better. Actually, in John chapter 16, a little bit later, Jesus says, it's better for me to leave because the Spirit of God is going to be in you. Jesus says, I am with you, but the Spirit of God will be with you and working in you. Jesus says that Holy Spirit is going to uh, transform our lives. A good counselor tells us what we should do, but a wonderful counselor walks with us and transforms us. And that's what Jesus is in the business of doing. That's what we're reminded of at Christmas. Remember that word wonderful means supernatural, without compare. Jesus helps us experience God in a very new way. Up to this point uh, in the Bible, 
the Spirit of God would come and would like move in people's lives for specific tasks at specific points. You would see when God had a prophet, the Spirit of God would move in that person. But it was like kind of the Spirit of God is here in this person, and then it's there in that person, and maybe it's over here with them and there with them. Uh, But Jesus says that uh, his life and, and then his death and then his resurrection, God raising him from the dead, actually opens up the door for the Spirit of God to be in all of us, to be transforming all of us from the inside. Are you experiencing that as we come into Christmas? The transforming power of God in your life. What does the Holy Spirit do? Or what does the Spirit of God do? Well, it leads us to truth. Uh, The Spirit of God guides our lives. The Spirit of God changes our desires. The Spirit of God reminds us who God is and what he's doing. Those are just some of the things that the Spirit of God does. And Jesus promises that the Spirit of God will be with all of us and in all of us, transforming our lives. I wish I could give you like a three-point, kind of here are the three steps to do to experience the Spirit of God, but it doesn't work like that, right? God can't be limited to like three clever points that I could give you in five minutes to change your life. That's not God, right? God is God. God is powerful. But what I can say is that Jesus promises that his Spirit will work in your life. And so you can invite the Spirit of God to move, to heal, to transform, to guide you. And let me tell you, friends, it's scary to invite God to do that, right? It's a place of vulnerability, of saying, God, here I am. Here I am. You have complete freedom. I trust you because you care. I trust you because you're wise. And I'm giving you freedom to come into my life and to transform me, to look at everything, my relationships, uh, my time, my energy, my job, to look at all of it and to move it all around as you see fit, to look at my addictions and and, and the things in my personality and my life that are just like causing damage, and to just take them. And it could hurt in the beginning, but it's always the best way to go. It's always the right thing to do. So each of us has a, a, a question that we need to ask today. Do I fully trust that Jesus is my wonderful counselor? Do I fully trust that Jesus is my wonderful counselor? Have you invited him to lead you on this journey of life? As you look to Christmas, are you just like expecting that God's going to show up in your life? Are you just trusting that he's going to move? Because if you're not, then you're not experiencing the fullness that God has for you this Christmas season. Do you believe that Jesus cares deeply about you? Do you believe that his wisdom is the best way to experience full life? And are you experiencing the Spirit of God working in you? If you aren't, then I want to invite you to. Isn't that why we come here? To, To not just learn about God, but to experience God? So I want to invite you this morning as we close. Uh, Maybe it means coming into a relationship with God for the first time. Maybe it means giving your life over to Him because you never really have done that. Maybe it means recommitting yourself to God, to His purposes, to His plans, Maybe it means really taking what the Bible says seriously. When you read these words saying, wow, this is God speaking to me. I'm going to do what God says to do because uh, what God says to do is always the right thing to do. Maybe it means inviting God's Spirit to like work in your life and transform you. Even if it's a little scary, even if it's a little unknown, a, a little new, because 
Jesus says that his birth, his life, and then his death, and when God raised him from the dead, it actually, uh, it started this new thing where the Spirit of God is working in each of us. So I'm going to pray, and I'm just going to give a minute of silence, just in the middle of that, for you to do some business with God. Uh, If you've never come into a relationship with God, uh, you can pray in that time, just something like, God, I want to be in a relationship with you. I believe that Jesus is my wonderful counselor, uh, that he lived and that he died, uh, and that you raised him again so that I could be in relationship with you. You can just pray something like that. And then if you do make that decision, I invite you, write it on the card so that uh, I can give you a call this week and we can just talk about that decision. Uh, You're not walking in this alone. But each of us is just going to have a little bit of space as we come in this Christmas season to do some business with God. So join me and let's pray. Lord, we are excited about Christmas about everything that it means, about everything that you have done and that you are doing uh, through the birth and the life of Jesus. So God, would you be um, reminding us of who you are and what you want to be doing in our lives? Would you be speaking into our lives? Uh, Holy Spirit, would you be transforming us from the inside out? Would you bring to mind anything that you want us to let go of? And uh, would you uh, be reminding us of your desire, your call, and and your passion for us, even as we sit now in silence? Lord, we look with joy and excitement to Christmas Day, to celebrating the birth of Jesus, who is our wonderful counselor. Thank you for this day. Uh, Would you be leading and guiding us in every part of it? Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.